Salutations, everyone, and welcome to the Elitist Podcast by Vantage, your home for politics, news, and culture. This week, we're going to talk about the influence that Hollywood and media have on American culture and how so many lives are affected by that influence every day. But first... Freedom and independence seeking is a legitimate right of every nation. The Afghans also use their legitimate right after 20 years of struggle for freedom and for for emancipating the country from occupation. This was our right. We have pardoned anyone, all those who who had fought against us. We don't want to repeat any conflict, any war again. And we, we want to do away with the factors for conflict. So after spending $300 million per day for two consecutive decades and losing the lives of over 2,000 troops, we have finally decided to end the war in Afghanistan and free up our budget so that we can use taxpayer dollars for things that actually benefit the taxpayers. Adding yet Another loss to our record, another pointless and costly regime war gone wrong. We didn't learn from Vietnam. We didn't learn from Somalia. Even after bin Laden got on camera and told us that American intervention in Israel and other regime wars across the Middle East motivated 9-11, we did not learn. Perhaps this time, once and for all, the United States will learn to mind its fucking business. The Taliban, on the other hand, faced an entirely different predicament. After storming the capital in Kabul and occupying Afghanistan, they're now in desperate need of investment from other countries in order to maintain the economic stability of Afghanistan, which is now entirely flipped upside down. So, now that that's the goal and they've won the war, they want peace and respect as the new institution of Afghanistan. They've even had inaugural celebrations in various conservative districts, leaving pretty much no bloodshed, by the way. They've also been ironically friendly to our reporters on the ground, and they've vowed to extradite any remaining Americans safely. China has come into play as a potential investor, seeing that they've been communicating with the Taliban all this time and have allegedly been providing logistical support for years, although the facts are up in the air on that. And by up in the air, I mean the facts came from Fox. But if you're an American, you're probably wondering what happens next for us. Surely the U.S. can't bomb a country to smithereens for 20 years and walk out like it never happened, especially with so many displaced and seeking asylum. Which leads us to the next question. Does America have a moral responsibility to to take in Afghan refugees? On one hand, you can say that we've done enough by fighting a war for people who refuse to fight for themselves for two decades. On the other hand, you can say that America has made an endless war even worse by intervening and, of course bombing the country to smithereens, only to leave thousands of helpless citizens naked in the end. I'd love to hear your opinions on this, and I'm excited to see what happens. Many Republicans are afraid that we're going to take in 30,000 plus refugees, which I honestly would prefer over more trailer trash Americans. I mean, their country died with the Confederacy. Kind of getting sick of them hanging around. This country doesn't let in enough Asians and Africans as it is. We need more. Some of our more sensitive conservatives on social media are also teasing Afghanistan for not being able to hold their own without us and 
a lot of liberals are getting defensive and pushing this false narrative that America destabilized Afghanistan to begin with by funding the Taliban. First off, America has not and will not ever fund the Taliban. What actually happened was some of the early rebel groups that later joined the Taliban were funded by the U.S. in the 80s to fight off Russian imperial forces. Since then, the Taliban has been primarily funded through advanced and elaborate taxation methods on Afghan and Pakistani citizens as well as dark investors such as China and even private investors. As a young schoolgirl, Malala Yousafzai spoke out for female education. When she was shot in the head in 2012 by a Taliban gunman and survived, her voice only became louder. Today, she is a leading advocate of female rights and education. She's also the youngest person ever to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. The Malala Fund is an organization that she spearheaded with her father to provide refugee girls with 12 years of education to achieve their potential and create positive change with their families and communities. Visit and donate at malala.org. Back to you, Kevin. The Biden administration says that they're going to crack down on illegal firearm manufacturing and distribution in a lot of ways, but we're going to talk about the ways that could actually make a difference. One way will be to hold gun manufacturers accountable. In 2005, Democrats voted against the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, but gun manufacturers successfully lobbied Congress to secure its passage. This law protects these manufacturers from being held civilly liable for their products, and it's a protection only granted to them. It doesn't exist in any other industry, which is hilarious. But Biden will prioritize repealing this protection, which is fair game because guns don't kill people is a poor excuse for getting special treatment. Crack doesn't smoke itself either, but we've sentenced people to decades in prison for drug distribution every year. Another way will be to ban the manufacturing, sale, and importation of assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Other strategies include buying back firearms that already exist, which is good because people who misuse firearms are usually dirt-ass broke, but of course we would also be running the risk of people manufacturing illegal firearms and selling them to the government for profit through couriers, which could be an inadvertent consequence. They're also considering a ban of online firearm and ammunition sales, which is where a lot of these rampant mass shooters get firearms from. And unlike people from the ghetto, they actually would have a hard time getting a firearm elsewhere, which can make a pretty decent difference. But let's be real, mass shootings are a small epidemic within a much larger gun violence issue. Being a Nigerian dude, I'm glad I grew up in America because I'm going to be honest, you know, there are Africans and a lot of African-Americans ask me, say, well, you're Nigerian. Why is it that Africans think they're better than African-Americans, man? And it's because it's the images they show. It's the images like in Africa, they show African-Americans as criminals and thugs. That's all they show. And in America, they'll show Africans, you know, butt naked and shit, you know, with no food, the whole night. So when we meet each other, Africans be like, I am better than you. And be like, man, fuck you, black African booty scratcher. They used to call us black African booty scratchers. And I used to be like, I've never seen Africans scratching their ass just all day. You feel me? Now we're going to move on to our topic of the day, which is the influence that Hollywood and media have on American culture. Is it positive or is it negative? Well, one thing you're all going to learn about me is that I don't commonly judge things as good or bad because it's subjective. And I pride myself on my objectivity. 
Instead, I tend to look at things in terms of gains and losses, cause and effect. Now, in the past, news and TV have been used to manipulate people in various ways for various reasons, but over time, after gaining the capability to see and understand various points of view from our living room couch, we started to know what we were getting across the board, making conscious decisions as to what we wanted to expose our minds to, truth or opinion. At least, that's what the world was until time gave us a new dynamic. Artificial intelligence. On one hand, algorithms and data collected by social media can help companies produce a better service by tailoring your experience to your specific wants and needs. On the other hand, you really aren't aware that your experience is being tailored if you're not looking for it, which could lead you to believe that the internet world you're navigating is neutral, while in reality you've been engulfed by an information ghetto. This is where real-world problems arise, since we now live in a time where 86% of Americans are getting news from their smartphones, information ghettos have engulfed the majority of us, tailoring our real-world perception of other people. Social problems, indisputable facts such as climate change, and even ourselves and our place in the world. Then... You have the inadvertent effects of how certain ethnic groups, countries, and social classes are portrayed in Hollywood. If I was a white man from Arizona, and the only Arabs I saw were terrorists on homeland, it would be pretty hard to sit next to one on an airplane without sweating bullets or holding some sort of ignorant prejudice. Then there's this macro layer, where American media and film is the most popular in the world. So when we project other Americans on the big screen, other countries are judging American culture by those examples, which could and could not be dangerous, as you heard earlier from the comedian Godfrey. So not only do we have this filter of Hollywood and social media hindering the growth of social capital in our country, but we're also giving off a lot of inconsistent and inaccurate portrayals of ourselves globally through social media and Hollywood, which could lead to further social capital issues as people migrate or do business with America. But then there are scenarios like the George Floyd case where the entire world was able to come together for the most part on a general belief. So, good, yes. Bad, yes. This podcast is brought to you by Vantage, your home for business, science, news, and culture. That'll be the end of this episode. Please follow the Elitist Podcast on Instagram and follow the Vantage Podcast on Spotify for weekly updates, conversations, politics, news, and culture. I'm your host, Kevin White. Thank you.